Welcome to the Value Adds Value podcast, where we help you become the teacher your kids deserve. I am your host, Kyle Krieger, and along with my co-host, Wilkie V. Law III, we want to thank you for coming along with us on this journey to become the teachers our kids deserve. We know that if you're listening to this podcast, you want to be that great teacher that your kids deserve, but it can be hard to find the ways to do it. That is why we are here, and that is why we are interviewing some of the best teachers from around the country and around the world. We want to share with you their stories of how they built their craft through experience, how they've sharpened their skills through reflection, and how they are leveraging their unique gifts to change lives. We hope that this podcast inspires and equips you to become the teacher that you've always dreamt of being and that teacher that your kids deserve to have. So, before we get started, if you want to connect with us on social media, please do at Value Adds Value. Also, you can find us on our website, theledproject.com. And if you don't mind, before we kick off, hit that like, hit that subscribe button, and let us know what we're doing and how we could do it better. Before we get started on this episode, everybody, we want to take a chance to talk to you about a platform and a company that we believe in, and that's Nearpod. Now, we've had a relationship with Nearpod for over a year now, and it is by far the best educational platform we've ever used. What Nearpod is, is a presentation and engagement tool that you can use with your students. The things we love about it is you can create lessons that can either be paced by you, the teacher, or you can create lessons that allow your students to work at their own pace. And it's interactive. And one thing they've just added that makes it so much easier is it can integrate with Google Slides and Focat. So if you want to try Nearpod for free, go to this website, Go dot nearpod.com backslash value adds value that's go.nearpod.com backslash value adds value to try nearpod for free good morning everybody and welcome back to the value adds value podcast my name is kyle krieger and i am thrilled again to be joined by my guy will will give you all the third what's up What's going on? Good, man. Good. Enjoying this good Texas winter. So <laughs> yeah, you've been giving me a bad time all week about my Minnesota. I almost said Wisconsin winter, but I have to say Minnesota because <laughs> that's where I live now. So we are both five school days away from our winter break. So we are uh, excited about that. Uh, but Will, I'm going to let you take the lead on on introducing our our guest for this episode because it's literally one of the first people we talked about wanting to have when we started the podcast three years ago. Absolutely, three years ago, I remember the conversation, and I, I remember you hadn't heard of Principal Cafele, and I introduced him to you. And from that moment on, it's been a journey to get to this point. So we're excited today to have in our presence the principal, Principal Baruti Cafele, out of New Jersey. Principal Cavelli, how are you doing today, sir? I'm good. I'm on fire. I'm um, excited about the fact that I don't have to jump on an airplane again until January 5th. Oh, so wow. 
Yeah, but it's been it's been a so strong and solid year of just working with educators all over America and um, different parts of the world. So it's you know I'm I'm on fire. How many how many days did you travel in 2019? I um I did about 200 presentations, and that that year that man I did. <laughs> A lot of traveling, you know, on a lot of flights, a lot of hotels, a lot of rental cars and Ubers and, you know, and, and you notice I didn't say a lot of presenting uh, because that's the easy part. The the, the challenges, those flights, you know, um, being in those hotel rooms and driving those rentals for hours after arriving to a city, say midnight, one o'clock in the morning, and you still got another two hour drive, you know, whatever it is, and then a six hour presentation. And it could be one of those weeks where you're doing six presentations, I mean, I'm sorry, five presentations in a week. So, um, you know, so that's that's the tough part. I'm, I spent Thanksgiving in the emergency room. Um, I, I came down with something that, you know, it, they said it wasn't the flu but it was all the trappings of the flu. So it was this virus. And um, I spent a good portion of my day there and then came home and just closed the door. And, you know, we had a lot of company here and just closed the door and slept for the next 48 hours. You know, so I'm still, I still have the remnants of it. Folks were surprised on social media that I was speaking yesterday, but I said, hey, it was on the calendar. So I had to be there, but, um, you know, but I'm feeling, but I mean, I'm strong. I'm in the gym and all that kind of stuff. I just, yeah. you know, there's some remnants there. Yeah, we, uh, right. We, we, Your immune system is just, just yeah. can't stay strong with that kind of trap. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, all the, all the, you know, being in confined spaces for long periods of time where they're just recycling the air that people are breathing probably doesn't help. Yeah. So we, we really enjoyed your presentation at, uh, it was AIE, wasn't it, in San Antonio? Yes. In October. Yeah. And the thing we kept talking about was it was what was it supposed to be like a, a 50 or 60 minute presentation? And you just kept pushing it until people were literally yeah. trying to come in the door for the next session. And it yeah, was one of, yeah. that was one of our favorite moments of everything we've done this year. So no, I appreciate it. That was, that was a great conference, too. That, yeah, that was my yeah, first time yeah. at that one. People we had a well. we had a good time. So, over the last month or so on the podcast, principal, we've been talking about how in this time where the days are getting shorter and tempers are getting shorter, and you know everybody's kind of getting worn down. How can teachers grow into that time rather than you know what we've done in the past, which is coast into that time, and then you know you lost a lot of your momentum going into twenty twenty. So that's that's what we want to cover today on the podcast. But before we get into that, could you tell our listeners the story of, of how you got into the education profession? Yeah. Um, you know, life growing up presented a lot of challenge for, challenges for me once I got to the middle school level. So I was a fine elementary student, but at the middle school level, challenges outside of school impacted who I became in school, where by the time I got to high school, school had no relevance for me whatsoever. So I didn't go. And because I had a mom that kept pushing, who was an educator, um, I attended four high schools over five years and graduated in five years. Nothing to show for it academically. Um, 1.5 GPA. Counselor just said I'd never amount to anything. But um, 
but a mom who continued to believe that there was more in me based on what she knew of me before then. So um, ultimately graduated, did nothing for the next five years, in and out of junior college, just hanging out in student centers. But um, then five years later, decided to go to school, got serious, uh, stumbled on African-American history and graduated in two years, summa cum laude, and haven't looked back. So went on and became a teacher and, um, and then subsequently a principal. And so I've been in this business for 30 some odd years. Wow. Oh, that is, um, I, you know, it's, you know, I was something I always stress to my kids is that you can never judge a book by its cover. You have to open it up and yeah. seeing you and, and how you, you carry yourself. I would not have attached you to a graduate, a five year to graduate with a 1.5 GPA because of where you are now. Yeah, it was, um, you know, that and, and, you know, everything that the streets had to offer you know, I, 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 I took part in it. So it was, you know, it was that kind of living um, during those years because, you know, you got things happening, domestic abuse um, and other things going on in my life that I just said, wow, I don't, you know, school, I got bigger fish to fry. So I say to folks, just in relationship to what you just said, I say to folks all the time, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a youngster or youngsters in your classroom who are miniature versions of Principal Kefele. I, I didn't know that there was something in here that needed to be tapped into to unleash for me to ultimately be able to soar and, and, and call my own shots, whether it be as a teacher, because I, I did it my way as a teacher, as a principal, I did it my way. You know, everybody called me unorthodox because I did it my way despite the pressures not to. And then even as a presenter, I continue to do it my way. There are folks who told me that I wasn't going to make it to this level because they felt I was rough, uh, rough around the edges. But I said, well, I'm, I'm just going to continue to be that guy because that's all I know, you know, which which even boils down to the way I walk. You know, I got this little inner city walk, this bop that I didn't know about until because people would tell me mentors would tell me they would say uh, you, you got to change that that walk from when you were a teenager you know that city you know that you know that little little bop thing and and I, and I wasn't cognizant of it until I won the Milken award in 2009 they did a profile video on me and and, and it, it had a scene where I'm walking down the hall and I mean I got my arm going man I'm I'm leaning to the side and and, and I'm like like we saw, they did a premiere in Los Angeles and my wife was with me and I, I hit her on the shoulder. I said, Kim, do, is that how I walk? She said, we've been telling you for decades. I said, I'm embarrassed. <laughs> but, you, but, you know, but then on the other hand, I said, but that's, that's who I am. And everybody knows it except me. So, you know, I can't, I, just, I can't change that, man. That's, that's, that's who I am. You know, the way I talk, I'm in and out of Ebonics on the stage with 10,000 because that's you know that's just this is me <laughs> do you, yeah do you think that over the course of say the time you've been in the profession do you think authenticity is becoming more acceptable needed like teachers are understanding that that's where real connection comes from yeah i i, I you know i've been paying close attention to that actually and, and and that's not a bad thing as long as you know I don't I don't know if I like this terminology but it's you know it's still in me that, that to code switch and 
you know, I, I don't have a problem with a youngster or a person being their authentic self, but there's context for that. Um, like there are places I'll, I'll do a key, right? And then I'll say to my audience, look, I'm in a suit because that's the protocol. But now hold still, because I'm getting ready to pull off this tie, I'm taking off this jacket, and I throw it on a stage with thousands of people. Now, I can do that at that place because there's a large percentage of them folks are there to see me. But then there are other places where they've never, they didn't even know I was born. And it might be some highly intellectual audience at some university somewhere, and that might not fly. You know, so 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 me throwing the jacket on the stage and the and the tie on the stage that's become part of my brand. So so it works in certain settings, but other settings you can't do it. So it's the same. So that's transferable now to the classroom. Yeah, I respect your authentic self, but your authentic self may not work in all places, particularly when you're trying to get from point A to point B, and you need some people to open some doors for you. Right. So you so you always got to take that in consideration. So one has to be able to move strategically in um in in, in how they proceed through life. Mm. You know, you know, that's one thing that I struggle with. Um, normally, this is a rarity that I don't have my baseball cap on my head. OK. And so people are all even at work, you know, I'll be in my bow tie with a ball cap on. You know, I'll you know, I follow dress code, but I'm going to have my ball cap on because that was that, that's that's who I am. And and I've had principals who who said you know you know don't wear your hat and don't wear your hat in the classroom. Uh, I have a principal this year and last year my principal never said a word and understands that this is just who I am, and this is just what I do and I bring it to my classroom. My kids picked up on it and you know it even becomes a joke. The what hat is Mr. Law is going to wear today? How is he going to connect his hat with his outfit? And I think that a lot of times we don't look at. Most a lot of teachers now don't fully know themselves well enough to know how to put their authentic self in those contexts yeah. that you're speaking of. To know that, yeah, I might be able to talk like this with my friends, but when I get in front of my classroom, they have to see something different in order for me to reach them in the proper way. Yeah, yeah, no, that, you know, that makes I, a lot of sense. See, see, old me, much younger me, you and I probably would have had a conversation about the hat. But but me today, it probably wouldn't even have been an issue with me. You know, we, we probably, if, if it was discussed, it may have been in a joking way, you know, because I had evolved that way to where we are right now in terms of being able to respect someone in, in relative to their authenticity, who, who they are. So, you know, there, there's a lot of things that I've evolved out of. Um, from my earlier principal days or early teacher days, you know, you kind of change with the times, you know, people are different. Like I remember it was unheard of in my early years to see a teacher in tattoos, right? But now the younger teachers, you're hard pressed to find one that doesn't have tattoos, you know? So it's, it's the world has changed. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and many of us who are old schoolers, I guess, I guess I'm in that old school category. I'd be 60 in 2020. So, um, wow. You know, we, we have to evolve with the times. You know, there's some things I'm, I'm going to stay old school, but there are other things like like the use of the N word. I'll never evolve in that one, right? It's it's I'm 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 going I'm going to be the guy I've always been. But other things, um, you know, I've evolved because the world has changed. Yeah, that's that's a big issue in our campus right now. We uh, <laughs> and, and and I and I try to make other teachers cognizant of that. No, that's not okay. 
yeah. don't let the kids say that. Um, the kids know if I hear it, you're gonna sit down and get a lecture from me about the word and explain to me your thinking and your relevance of why you use it. And I just, like I said, that's, maybe that's a topic we need to have for a whole nother, yeah. <laughs> another day. Cause I'm old school in that light also that, yeah. that no, you're, you're not, that, that's, that, that has no place, not in academics. Yeah, and see when I'm, um, when I'm in the gym doing my cardio work and typically I'm, I'm one of the oldest people in the gym. So the folks in there, they, you know, they don't, they don't know me. They don't know what I do for a living, all that kind of thing. So, the, so you got these young people. And when I say young, I mean young. Some of them are in high school. Some of them, you know, in their 20s. And, and, they're, and they're multiracial. And they're throwing that word around like it's just some word. And it's like my day is shot because I want to address it. And I, I can't address I can't address it every time I hear it. You know, it's, 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 it's just too much. But it's like, man, I'm I'm listening to people because because I understand. I mean, I understand, but I but I'll never relate to when when black folks say, well, you know, we're not using it that way. Okay, fine, and, and we can use it with each other. Okay, fine, right? Um, but when it's when when it goes outside of the African American community, and now it's others in the locker room, and they use it, my N word, my N word, and I'm sitting there like, are you serious? You know, so sometimes I will intervene. Right, but not oftentimes. You know, I'll vent on my social media as, as I'm sitting there because, you know, because I'm just not gonna fight every battle every day. Yeah, and you know, I, I say, you know, the, the thing I say all the time is it's become a part of popular culture. Yeah. And the moment it became part of popular culture, it became okay for everybody to use it. Yeah. You know, the, the kids at my school are like, no, they better not say it, but you say it. And it's in the music they listen to. So what if they're just quoting lyrics of a song? That's they it. still can't say it. So then why do you say it in front of them? Yep. Give, I say, because that's license. permission. That's yeah. permission. That's giving them permission. You have my permission because I'm using it. And so, so yeah, so that's, um, I'm old school with you on that one too. I'll, I'll be 47 next year, 46 next year. So. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I'm with you on that one, hundred percent. And I tell the story of my great grandfather who, who was, you know, he died when he was 93 years old. Mm. Uh, I remember him sitting down telling us the story of how a, a, a young white boy, as while he was an adult, he had to endure him calling him the N-word over and over and over again mm. and could not do anything mm. because knowing responding would, would, would cause this. And that just made me very cognitive of, again, like I say, in context. Yeah. You know, and I tell my kids all the time, I can't lie to you and say that I've never used it and I don't use it, but you will never hear me using the word here. Right. You know, and, and again, I know that some people say that's a double standard. You can't say that it's okay here, it's okay there, but there are things that are okay in certain communities of people that are not okay in others, but you just have to have that understanding. The others are just not being put out as much as the African-American culture is through hip hop and media and different aspects like that. That's right. That's right. I agree. So to make sure we don't take all, all your time, we're, we're going to try to get back on track for the questions. But, um, you know, as we lead into 2020, Principal Kefele, and we're in this time, it's mid-December. Most people are right coming up on their break. But, you know, that time from maybe the start of November until the holiday break, what, what in your opinion and your experience makes it so difficult for teachers? Yeah, you know, it's... You got you got young people in schools who 
are excited about the season and, and, and not necessarily because there's an abundance of gifts at home, because that's not the case with all kids, as we know. But it's still this season of time away from school. Um, and I always, you know, I always used to just review with my staff at this time of year and then again toward the end of the school year. That this is this is that these are those two seasons where things are not going to be necessarily normal, um, and 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 it, it wipes teachers out. It wiped me out. Um, things weren't normal, and and you see behaviors that you wouldn't necessarily see throughout the course of the school year. So in having those conversations with staff around, I guess right around Thanksgiving time, it's it's the conversation of we can never lose sight of why we're here in the first place, despite the challenges that, 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 that we're going to endure over the course of the next month. We'll be back to normalcy in January, but, 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 what, but getting through this season, let's talk about our why, like, like our collective why as a school, but more importantly, our individual why as an individual, because see, there, there are times in, in my practice as a teacher, my practice as a principal, and quite frankly, my practice as a presenter, that I have to const I have to go back. I gotta go engage in that self-reflection, self-assessment, and, and ask myself, why are you doing this? Particularly when I get distracted. Um, let's say, for example, some district wants to hire me as a superintendent, and, and I'm thinking about it in the back of my mind. But then I got to go back to my why. I said, but that's not that's not going to that's not consistent with my purpose for existing, my purpose for being being the leader of a school district, because I'm a teacher first, right? My Baruti means teacher, it comes from Botswana. So in those conversations with teacher, it's it's that intense, honest, truthful conversation about why we do this work. And in having that conversation, it, it, it may force us to kind of change who we are with them so that we can get through this period, this, this challenging period of stuff happening, particularly in, a, in an urban environment where, where stuff can happen. And, and I found that for me, that enables us to get through it. And then by the time we get to January, we're back to normalcy, we calm, we're ready, we ready to go. It's just tough. To, it's just a tough period of time. Yeah, yeah, and it's and it's interesting because we just, you know, our kids are kind of doing that. We've been kind of saying that all week that it's kind of been kind of kind of hinky, and kids have been kind of going all over the place. And and I told the teachers, I met with the teachers yesterday after school, and I said, guys, it's up to us to create the culture. And and it's up to us to consistently engage the culture and engage the students with the culture. If not, the kids are going to do what they're doing right now. They're, and they're going to continue to do it over and over unless you set that culture and don't let it outside. Anything outside of that doesn't fit. Yeah. It doesn't right. fit. And, and, that's, and that, that, that part and that responsibility falls on us as teachers, that we have to make sure that we're being that gatekeeper for the culture of the, of the schools. And, um, but and one of the things that we talk, that, that I know we're going into next year with is, is teachers understanding their why. I'm trying to put together collective videos of all the teachers on my team of them saying why they started teaching. So that when you hit those lows or you hit those days where things go crazy, hit play, yeah. hear your own voice and say, 
why did you start? Why did you start teaching and remember that moment? And that right. drives you and gets you going. That's right. Because, you, you know, because one, one of the things, one of the fascinating things that I've discovered in, in on the presenter side of my life is the, the volume of teachers who have either lost their why, never really were so, or, uh, solid in their why. They, 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 they entered the profession of, of, of education, of teaching, but didn't really give a lot of thought into the specificity of why I'm doing this work. Like, like yesterday, I, I, I guess one could say I preached this sermon about my first year in 1988. And, and that and, and, and my why being that I wanted to be in that classroom with, with those boys in particular to teach and model manhood for them. It doesn't mean I was going to neglect the girls, but the girls weren't my why. You, you know, they were part of the work and I was committed to the work. But in terms of the built in alarm clock, in terms of that which kept me tossing and tossing and turning, in, in terms of that which which preoccupied which occupied my thinking, all twenty four seven was how do I provide these young men with the information, and I continue to model that which they need to see toward ultimately becoming young men as opposed to continuing to be young males. So that was. That was my specificity when, when, when I deviated or, or when I was distracted. So in having the conversation with the teachers, you know, yesterday and, and, and wherever, like, what's that thing that eats away at your soul that you say, this has to happen. This must occur. I will not rest until this happens within my practice. And, and typically that's your why. Right. But 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 if teacher has been so inundated with 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 the pressures and the demands of the work, teacher may not even consider. But what's what is that narrow thing that that, that keeps that keeps me going every day? And I say so. So what is what it sounds like to me, teacher, you've lost your way and you've lost your way because you don't have your why right at the vest. So you got to go back into time and find that why and bring it with you along your journey. So that's the kind of conversation that I would have with my staff. That's the conversation I have out on the, on the road that you gotta have that why, because it's easy to burn out in this business, right? It's, it's, it's easy to lose your focus, lose your way, lose your will in this business because of the enormous challenges that come with it. So I guess my question is, do you see a lot of teachers who have this like very esoteric grandiose why like I'm just going to come and I'm going to make a difference for all my kids because I feel like at the start of my career that was kind of what I was taught was like no matter what you're making a difference for kids and I when you're just talking right there I I can feel those moments where intrinsically I knew I wasn't really like operating on my way or on my way or on my why but I was justifying or that's not the word um rationalizing deviating from that do you notice that with a lot of teachers? oh yeah no that that's the general why that like, like when, when i have when i'm when i'm doing a session where we you know we're really engaged and i ask the question hey folks what's your why and i go around the room and, and it, to make a difference they say to make a difference to make an impact to make an impact or here, here's another because i just love children so so there's that that broad why 
it, it has no specificity in it. So if you're just there to make a difference, it's easy to get distracted. It's, it's mm. easy to get discouraged because your definition is like this, right? So I'm saying bring, bring this together. And, 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 and what's that thing or maybe that those few things that you said, okay, I, I, I got this. I'm going to make a difference. I'm here to make a difference. But then what's that thing that you said, but, but this is what's going to define me. This is what's going to define my work. This is this is going to make, this is going to compose my brand as a teacher in that classroom, as leader of that school, and 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 that's the conversation that a, that a leader or, or 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 a team leader like yourselves need to engage staff in. Like like, what is it that I'm here for? So I'm looking at all the variables. There's a zillion different variables in terms of what we want to accomplish in a school, but I'm saying, man, look at how I grew up. I said, my why was personal. Look, look, look at the issue. Look at the challenges I had. Look at what I'm accomplishing now and how that may not have happened, right? Because I mean, I, I, I love me some streets, man, and, and hanging out in clubs and all that kind of stuff. I said, look how this may not have happened. Look, look how I didn't know what was in me. The, the ability to write books, the ability to, to, to lead schools, teach classes, um, pre present to, to the masses, all that kind of stuff. I didn't know. I'm looking at other people and envying them. Right. So now when I come into the school full circle as a, as a practitioner, I said, man, what's my specificity? Like, what's my specialty? What's that thing that, that with all this work that I'm going to do, but that thing that I say, this is where I'm going to focus my attention, though. Right. So now my last school, North Tech, it, it, it develops this brand that it never had, that this is the school. I mean, the whole city knew they building men down at that school, right? Now, my girls, they they, they were aware of it. So they, they're like, they, you know, they called me to the side one day. And I, I'll never forget it. Hey, 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 Mr. Cafele, like the boys, I mean, I, this, this young lady, she said to me, the boys come to class pumped. They're like, and that's the word she, she said, they come in pumped when you release them from the cafeteria at our meetings. Your young men's empowerment meetings. She said, what are y'all talking about? Because they're not, they're coming back in a way that they didn't leave. And I said, well, we're talking about being men. We're talking about empowerment. So the young lady said, we, we was right literally at the classroom door. She said with her friends, we need empowerment too. Mm. I said, okay, you don't have to say another word. I got my women's staff together that day. I said, look here, y'all, I need you to replicate this program. Right. And they did instantly. The meeting started the next day. Wow. Right. So so now that helped them with their why. You know, because they got they they became gun ho in this because I, I I unleashed this thing. You know, I had this thing under this control of of me and the men and the men I brought into the school to lecture to them and speak to them. But now the women said, Hey, we want empowerment too. You know, so to come to school on a Monday and see my entire school, public school, my boys in shirt, tie, slack, shoes, and a belt, and my girls in their business professional attire, just on Mondays. And, 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 and we would parade around the school. And, 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 and I mean, it was just a big deal. I couldn't wait to get to school on Mondays just to see my kids looking like they were all principals of the building. And that's how we treated them, my why. You know, that, that, that hits me because I, I wake up every morning and I get in my car and I drive. Before I drive to school, I go back to my why, which is I was a sixth grade dropout. 
Mm. And it was because of a math teacher who at that time, my parents divorced, didn't care what was going on on the other side of my life. Just cared when I came to her classroom, I did nothing. And I felt as if she did nothing to try to reach me. So I did nothing to try to connect with her. And it went from skipping her class to skipping the next class to finally only coming to school for first and second period. And, you know, then it got to the point where I just stopped going to school altogether. Um, and when I went back from that moment on, my mom, who I, I say was my best teacher ever, never had a college degree. Um, she put me back in that exact same teacher's class. And she said to me, you will never show someone that you are a failure because you gave up. And so she made me take that entire class. And after that, I tell everybody, my character was etched in me at that point. Yeah. At that moment, I had to face those teachers again. And then it gave me a dogged determination to make sure that any kid in the world never comes through and have that same feeling that I had of worthlessness. Yeah. Um, and so when I approach the young men at my campus, I'm always asking guys, what's going on? Talk to me. I'm an ear. I don't care the language you got to use to get your point out. If it's just you and I, talk to me to tell me what, what's ailing you because I know it's not the fact that you just don't want to be in my class or you just mad at this teacher. There's something else, and I want to know what that something else is. Yeah. So that's my – I had to narrow it to saying I came into it with a singular focus. You know, like my whole focus was I don't want another kid in this, leaving the sixth grade to feel as if they're worthless because no one in the building cared about them. That's right. That's right. Yeah. And when you look at Gallup polls, Gallup polls say that right now, that our kids are leaving high school feeling like most of the teachers in the building didn't care about them. Yeah. And they, and they tell me that, you know, I'm, I, I do small group sessions with, with um, youngsters, particularly young men in schools. And um, I don't bring it up. They, 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 pr- they typically bring that up on their own. Man, the teachers don't care about us here. And I, I won't let them say that to me. Like, like I'll listen and I'll say, come on, y'all. I don't and, and because I don't want to throw, I don't want to participate in throwing the teacher under the bus. But then when I do the staff meeting later that day, I let them know. I said, look, they, they, I'm a stranger here. They don't know me. I said, you know, if you guys show them my videos, but they don't know me personally. But this is what they share with me. They, they feel you guys don't care. You know, so I know you care, but but they're not perceiving it. And their perceptions are what carry. So you got to work on that in terms of how they're perceiving who you are. I know the kids, I, I know that in my earlier years, there were youngsters that perceived me wrong. I, I guess I came off to some youngsters that I didn't care. So I had I had to check myself as a, as a, very, a very new educator to make sure that all students felt that I loved them, that I, that I was compassionate about them. I couldn't have those kind of perceptions. All right, so we got a couple questions left for you to wrap it up but we want to you know give our sincere appreciation to you for, no, I appreciate for you, not not like i said we we started this podcast three years ago we've done more than 200 episodes but when we started wow. brain we started brainstorming like who are the people if we could get people on there and you were right at the top of the list right away oh, so, man, I'm so, honored. appreciate you so so for so three years later to be able to have this conversation with you is 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 really um I don't validating is kind of the word because it's, you know, we've, we've been continually putting the work in, but um, we really appreciate it. So um, before we ask you the last two, if people want to connect with you, find you, get in touch with you, where's the best place for them to do that? 
Yeah, um, website, principalcafele.com, um, spelled K-A-F-E-L-E, principalcafele.com. And, and on, as I say to everybody, that website is not just a marketing tool, but I call it my professional learning institute. So we've got um, about 550 videos on it from YouTube that, that will link you to YouTube to my nine different channels. I've got about 50 articles and blog posts that I've posted there, um, about 20 podcast interviews, and and just in my books are there, and just a whole lot of stuff on the site. Um, so I, you know, like a lot of times when I'm out in in the world, people ask me for my email address, and I said, no, I'm not going to tell you. I want you to go to the website and get the email address from there to contact me because I want you to just navigate the site and see what's there. Because you take, for example, um, a lot, I, I used to get, all, and I may have said this in San Antonio, I, I used to get all these calls. Well, I still get them, but I was getting all these calls about tips for an assistant principal interview or principal interview from teachers. Um, well, principal interview from assistant principals, but the assistant principal interview from teachers. And I was, you know, I'm responding to all these people. I don't know them. And I'm taking a lot of time to give them some tips on how to get through the interview and, get, and land a position. So finally, I said, it hit me. I said, well, I can't continue to do this. Just make the videos. So made, um, made two videos on um, interviewing for the assistant principalship and then another two for the principalship and showing folks how to, how to go in there and get the position. So those went viral and, and over 500 people um, have contacted me to say they got the, the um, got the job. But then last week while I was sick, I had a bottle of water nearby. And every time I coughed, I made these four videos on how to write a book because everybody writes me and says, how do I write a book? Um, so we made the four videos an hour each on planning for the book. Part two was on writing the book. Part three was on publishing or self-publishing. And part four was on marketing and distribution. So people are starting to watch those vids. So I'm saying all that to say, it's not just a marketing bit website. There's information on the site that can change one's life. They can change one's trajectory. It's just a matter of going on and seeing what your needs are and seeing if I've addressed them in some capacity and um, in, 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 in delving into the information. So principalcafele.com and then the blog page is right, it's linked, it's right on the page. So they don't have to take my blog address. You'll, you'll see it on the on the site in the menu. And that's how you contact me. The website is the, the uh, email address is there. So that's that's how a person can contact me. And you're also pretty active on Twitter, right? That's usually where yeah, we Yeah, yeah. So Twitter, uh at Twitter, I mean at Twitter, at Principal Cafele, um, one word. Um, and I'm on there all the time. I was on there this morning. And then at uh, Fa um, said at Facebook on Facebook at Principal Cafele two words, right? So Principal and Cafele, and you'll find me. You can't friend me, but you can um, follow me. And then if if you're one who really wants to friend me, as many do, then we just coordinate that. And um, I drop some inactive account and and add that person in. I did a couple of couple of yesterday. So Perfect. yeah. So, because some people really want to be friends instead of followers. So, so okay. Perfect. So, second to last question, we like to to ask this to everybody. If and and I, you know, you've really answered it, but if you could sum up, what is the one thing you think every kid should be taught while they're in school? Oh, um, the one thing. Hmm. 
you know, as, as you know, as I was saying before, that you know, particularly with young people of color, that that that, that history component is crucial. So, so the ability to answer the question, "Who am I?" I have a chapter in my book, "Motivating Black Males to Achieve in School and in Life," which is the chapter is entitled "Who Am I?" And I think that's the most fundamental question that one could answer, because there's a lot of folks out here, a lot of young people and adults out here that cannot answer that question. Um, they can answer it in terms of their name and, 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 and this on their birth certificate and, and, and very personal things about them. But in terms of the collective, who are you? Mm -hmm. um, you got too many that just don't know. They, they have no idea of the greatness that's within them. They, they don't know, like when you, when, 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 Wilkie, when you were talking about the, um, the, the, the introduction of, of African-American or African history beyond 1619, so many that don't realize the science, the technology, the mathematics, the medicine, the, the astronomy, the architecture, the engineering that's literally flowing through their veins, right? They, 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 don't, they, don't, they, they, don't, they don't have the, the wherewithal to understand that they come from that level and quality of a people. Right, because because of the way that that that, that their ancestry and, and and contemporaneously have been described and defined in modern time, so it's it's hard for them to make that leap of of, of the kind of scientific contributions to the world, right? The mathematical contributions to the world, the engineering and architectural contributions to the world. It's hard to bridge that gap because of what they've been exposed to and thereby programmed to think otherwise. Um, in modern society, so 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 that's key. But I'll couple on that, couple to that, understanding one's innate ability to get from the proverbial point A to the proverbial point B. In other words, said differently, I'm of the firm belief that whatever it is that you want to accomplish in life, it is yours, but you may not be able to walk the same path as the next person, as that, as that person that was born with more privilege than you. Your path may be an alternate path that may take longer than others. And that's not to say, that's not a black versus white. That's, that's just a privileged versus non-privileged. So you could be underserved white um, youngster. And, and, and you may not have the same opportunity as the privileged white youngster. So your path, if the path is this way, theoretically speaking, you may have to go around and around and you may have to crawl on your knees, right? And, 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 and engage in blood, sweat and tears. But if you, but if you are that passionate about getting there, that determined, that committed to your goal, then I'm saying that if that youngster has that innate belief that I can do it regardless of how difficult it is, I'm going to do it. So I'm saying, therefore, as teacher, to answer your question directly, I want to instill that. I can't teach drive. I can't teach heart. I can't, but, 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 but I can show you what it is. And then hopefully you evolve into it. Right. It's like in the, in the sports world. So a coach will say, I, I can't teach heart. I can teach you skills, but I can't but I can't teach you to have the heart to go out there as a, as, 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 as a warrior to win. But I can tell you what it is. So I want to at least expose a youngster to what that is. And now you do what you got to do, because with me, 
I remember sitting, and, and I know you didn't expect this long of an answer, but let me just say this to you. I, I remember sitting in, 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 in the Harris Hotel in, in, on the Las Vegas Strip in 1997. I, in, in March 1997, the Harris on the Las Vegas Strip watching Harry Wong. Now, I was there, who, who, who wrote the first days of school, that, that book that sold millions of copies. I'm there for my first ever professional development as a vice principal, but I forgot I was there for professional development as a vice principal. I got caught up into the speaker and, and looking at me as a speaker, not a vice principal. And I said, I'm going to be on these stages talking to the masses of educators as well. Well, that was 2000, that was 1997. I didn't get my first Las Vegas Strip keynote at the, at the Venetian Palazzo until July 15th, two, 15, 2013. Actually, I got these dates locked in, right? But so it took me from 97 to 2013 to get my first Vegas Strip keynote. Now I do it regularly. But I said, but when I saw Harry Wong and that and that Harris, I said, I'm I'm going to be on that stage in one of them hotels on the Vegas Strip. I couldn't walk the path he walked, so I had to walk that way and this way and back that way. But I said, Dag on it, I'm going to be there. I'm coming. I'm coming. Right. So that so so see that's what I want a kid to have. I want that. So so now. This, this is a date I didn't memorize. So I'm gonna say approximately 2009. I, I don't have that for, for whatever reason I didn't memorize, but I got it in my files. They, they, I was invited to speak to all the educators on the island of St. Thomas, US Virgin Islands. I was still a principal. And so I'm like excited. Okay, big, big time, okay. So I get there and we go to dinner with the superintendent and her team. Sitting at the table with us is Harry Wong. Right, I didn't even know he was coming. So I'm like, what's he doing here? So they said, Harry Wong is gonna be the morning keynoter and you're the afternoon keynote. I said, see, that's what the heck I'm talking about. That's what I wanna put in a kid. Cause I'm looking at Harry Wong like, yo, I'm gonna be in your shoes, right? And then now I'm sitting, I'm sitting, we don't wanna call it a foreign country cause it's part of US, you know, United States, but I'm overseas sitting at a table doing the same thing he's doing. He gonna open it and I'm gonna close it, see? So that's what I wanna instill in a kid, man. They, look, man, look, young lady, the world is yours. Don't confine yourself to your block. Don't confine yourself to your city. You got access. You just might have to move differently, but you got access to it. So when the folks told me I'm not gonna be keynoting the big conferences, I said, okay. All right, just keep watching me. It's gonna take me a little longer, but you just keep watching me and I'm going to read. That's, so that's my the long answer mm. to the question. <laughs> All right, so again, sir, we like, we wanna thank you for your time and, yeah. and, and everything you've done for us. Will, anything you wanna say before? And I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll let you wrap up and then ask the final question. All right, I just want to say I'm honored, I, I, and I and I have to admit it was about three years ago when we started the podcast. I remember sending you an email, um, 
and I think I may have been through LinkedIn. I was trying to find it right now through my phone, but I remember sending you a message and I was shocked when you responded. Uh, <laughs> and I told you what we did and I was like, there's no way he's gonna respond. And all of a sudden I got an email from you and, and, it, and, and your question was, what can I do to help? And that question shook me because at that point I, I wasn't prepared to say, this is what we're trying to do. We were just now getting going. And so to go from that point to where we are right now, I'm going to find a copy of that email and I'm going to put it okay. when we do do this video because again, kind of a similar story because again, it took a different route for us to get to that point to where we actually met you and actually invited you to be on the show uh, with us and talk to our guests. I mean, talk to our, our listeners about your experience and how they can be better. And I just want to say, man, I am, my, one of my old pastors used to say, I'm hippopotamously proud to sit here right now and to see that I not only am I having being able to interview you, but also to be able to have them meet you in the flesh and, and to talk with you and to uh, learn and glean from your experiences. I am humbled and, and, and very proud to be in this moment right now. I, I feel the same way. I appreciate you both. Appreciate you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So our last question is the one that we, this is one of our favorite questions to get to people is as an educator, what do you want your legacy to be? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I simply want my leg legacy to be that I woke up in the morning every day to touch the lives of children. And in, 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 in today's times through their teacher, through their leader, through their counselor. But, um, you know, my, my last name is Kefele, obviously, but it has a meaning. It's, it means worth dying for, but I gave it a little spin. It comes from the country of Malawi in Central Africa. I said the, the struggle for the liberation of the minds of our children is worth dying for. So when I stood on that stage in, at the University of Miami on May 1st, 2015, at the age of 54, and endured a heart attack, 30 minutes into that speech and and finished not knowing what I was having but knowing I was in excruciating pain and then even took questions I always say you know like doctor said I could have I could have died that night because my main artery was clogged 100% they call it the widow maker 60% of the people with that particular heart attack do not survive so I could have died that night but I had an audience of 200 principals 200 administrators, I should say, in that audience. So had I died, had I made that transition, I would have died with a microphone in my hand doing this work. So it, it, it would have brought it full circle. I'm so grateful that God said, I'm not done with you yet and, and, and gave me more time and gave me the ingredients to, to extend my life in terms of exercise and diet and all that kind of stuff. But, but I'm saying that my legacy just that he was the, the kafele was about this like i was i was i was having um every now and then i have dinner with with some of the, the top mainstream speakers and i had one with with one recently that i'm not going to name because of what i'm going to say and and he was saying to me he said kafele man you got you got to raise your rates they too low and you know i said nah it, i said my rates have been what they have been since i started 
And he said, yeah, he said, but you could be making so much more. You, you should at least double them, if not triple them. And a lot of a lot of a lot of school districts say to me, your rates are high. And we, we can we bring in other schools so that we can we, 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 we can share the expenses. So but I know they're low in comparison to a lot of my, my peers. So I said, you know something, sir, I'm going to keep mine where they are because my purpose for doing this is not to get rich. I'm, I'm, I'm not on that, that paper chase, right? I'm, I'm not trying to be a millionaire in this business. I'm, I'm doing well, but I'm, I'm, but, but I'm not seeking wealth in my work, right? I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to give wealth, right? In terms of the information. So that's, that's so, 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 so I want, I don't want like, like, like sometime a speak, a, a client will come to me and they'll say, uh, Man, I know, I know, I know this speaker, I know that speaker, and I know you know them. And they they want this amount of money. They, that's too much money to pay a speaker. And I always say, I don't want some client somewhere having a conversation with someone saying, I like Kafele, but he's 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 too overpriced. I want them to say, man, this dude is affordable, he's cheap, and he's providing a wealth of information. See that that's that's who I want to be. Right. Did the, 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 the people see that, man, he, he's about this life. He, he he's he's about this work, not not about chasing dollars, man. You know, so that's that's all I want to be known as. And as we say, value adds value. Yeah, that's where we got the name for the podcast. And what our mission is, is to bring value back. And I think that what you contribute again in your legacy, you'll you will surpass many of the millionaires in the wealth that you'll attain even long after your your candle's been snuffed yeah. uh you, you will continue to 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 provide a wealth of information through the lives of the people and the number of people that you touch and to me you can't hang a price tag on that whatsoever so we appreciate you and we we, we appreciate you for having the wherewithal again to, to stay the course because we know as you said in the beginning this is one to easily get burnt out on this yeah. is a profession to easily get burnt out on. And we're thankful that, that you're here, that you didn't get burnt out, you didn't go out with the heart attack, and that yeah. you're still here to provide your guidance to the next generation of teachers. Appreciate you, both of you. All right. All right. Well, we appreciate your time, sir, and we look forward to the next time we, uh, we get to meet you in person. Yeah, definitely. Let me know when that goes on, too. Yes, sir. Hey guys, thanks for checking out this episode, which is part one of a three-part interview with Principal Kefele. I hope um, you got a lot from just, this was just the introduction, getting to know uh, each other with Principal Kefele, and there's so much more uh, we can't wait to share with you over the course of the next couple weeks. So um, we really appreciate you listening, and if you're liking this, please hit the subscribe button. Also, if you want to support this podcast, you can do it by going to the ledproject.com. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Value Adds Value. Or if you want to support us, help us to do what we do better, you can click the link in the bio and support us through Anchor Payments. So we really appreciate you listening, and we can't wait to see you again next week.